Well, I want you to raise your hand if you love thrill rides. The higher, faster, scarier, the better. Raise. My hand's up with that group. We'll call that the godly group. So, so where's all the haters at? You hate thrill rides. Could care less if you ever ride one. Like if you're on a thrill ride, you look like this kid right here. Uh, that's you on a thrill ride. <laughs> I actually think the best part about thrill rides is the first time you go because you have, you have no idea what to expect. That's what makes it so thrilling. The problem is now, like that picture I showed you, they have a way of capturing our reactions at the most thrilling part of the ride. Uh, at Disney World, there's a ride called Test Track. It, it was the most thrilling ride I could convince my entire family to get on together when we were there in 2011. My wife, Sabrina, my daughter, Michaela, hate thrill rides, could care less if they ever rode one, but I convinced them somehow to get on Test Track. Test Track, on the ride, you are strapped into an open-air car, and you go through a series of high-speed indoor obstacles, and then you go barreling toward what looks like a solid wall. At the last possible moment, the wall opens up, you burst outside into an outdoor speedway where at 65 miles an hour, you take angles of 50 degrees. It's, it's a pretty sweet ride. Well, just before the wall opens is where they take your picture and the picture of you and anybody who's on the ride. So here's the picture of the first time we rode the ride with our family. You'll notice we're all having a pretty good time, except Michaela in the back right, she literally thought we were going to die. I'm pretty sure she was crying at that moment. I kind of felt bad, but not bad enough because I made her get on it again. So we rode the ride a second time. Here's the picture of the second time we were on the ride. Again, Michaela down the front, she thinks we're gonna die. Uh, you know, everybody is having a pretty, pretty good time. Well, the third time we rode it, I could not convince uh, Sabrina or Michaela to get back on. Our thrill-seeking uh, other three children, uh, they wanted to go again. They wanted to raise their hands as we went through the wall. So here they are now raising their hands, but, but notice Jonah close up on him. Look at that. <laughs> he didn't know what was gonna happen. Well, now we knew, we knew what was coming. We knew where they took the picture, so I thought, photo op, let's get everybody back on and let's make sure and smile right before we go through the wall. We'll get us on the ride, everybody smiling. And so here's the fourth time we rode it, everybody on. We're all smiling, except Jonah. He's constipated <laughs> or something. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> So I was like, well, now we gotta go again. I think I threatened, you know, I threatened my daughter and my wife with no more rides unless we went on it one more time. We gotta get the smiles. So now we're gonna smile and all raise our hands. So here we all are raising our hands like we don't care. And you know, everybody's smiling. The only people without their hands up, you'll notice are me and Michaela in the back. Uh, Michaela, I would have put my hands in the air. Michaela was holding my arm so tightly, I'm pretty sure she bruised it. I couldn't even raise my hands in, in the air. Now the reason the reason the first picture captures the thrill of the ride is because you're living in the reaction. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what's coming. But once you know what's coming, you begin to respond like we did differently along the way. Life can sometimes feel like you're barreling towards or crashing through a wall, can it not? What do we do when that happens? What do we do when life doesn't go our way. The very first followers of Jesus were actually facing that dilemma on the original Easter Sunday. It's what we're talking about in a four-week sermon series we're starting today called Even So. 
If you're new here, by the way, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And if you come back next week, do not expect me to see you dressed up. This is a one-time thing, only for uh, Easter Sunday. Happy Easter, though, to everyone who is here with us. Whether you're in the auditorium or joining us on video somewhere, I'm so glad that you chose to celebrate Easter here. As much as we'd like it to, life doesn't always go our way, does it? Like no matter how good we live our lives, life does not always turn out good. Now I know that in our four services today, not everyone here is gonna believe in God or believe the Bible is the word of God. And while you have permission and freedom to believe that, and we're gonna love you just the same, uh, I think it's no surprise that me, the pastor, I do believe in God. I believe the Bible is the word of God. One of the reasons I believe that is the Bible never sugarcoats the reality of life. Like the Bible is full of stories of people who face the very same things we do. Things we're gonna look at over the next several weeks in this series. Things like heartache, loneliness, loss, pain, depression, suicidality. Even so, they walked through it with courage and confidence or they came through it on the other side with peace. Or you have, in the case of the followers of Jesus on that very first Easter, they did not walk through it very well when life didn't go their way, but we can learn from their mistakes. At least three different times that we know of, Jesus told the disciples, the 12 men who were his closest friends while on the earth, he told them, I'm going to die, but on the third day, I'll be raised back to life. The last time that it's recorded he told them that was actually one week away from the events happening. Matthew 20, 17 through 19 says this. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the son of man, that's himself, will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But, and that's where we actually got the title for the series, because in other English translations of the Bible, it says, and, or yet, or even so. The Son of Man will be killed, even so. On the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Yet, when it actually happened, the disciples didn't believe. The very ones who should have been ready for the resurrection were not prepared. The very ones who could have lived in the even so weren't ready. Now, to their credit, the death of Jesus would have been the worst possible outcome for the disciples. A bad pastor Easter joke is this. They had put all their eggs in the basket of Jesus, right? And it all fell apart. Like they thought he was the long-awaited Messiah, the king of the Jews. They expected him to overthrow the Roman government and take his rightful place as the, the king of Israel on the throne of David. They were expecting a coup, not a crucifixion. And like my family on the thrill ride, the disciples were living in the reaction instead of living in the resurrection. And that's the big idea we have today. It's on the screens. If you want to write it down, it's this. When things don't go my way, 
I can either live in the reaction or live in the resurrection. When things don't go my way, and they're not gonna, I can live in the reaction or live in the resurrection. And this is important to note. This changes the game. The resurrection is not just an event that happened. The resurrection is a person who can live in your heart. Jesus, when talking to a friend of his who her life was not going her, uh, the way she wanted it to, he said this about himself in John eleven twenty five and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? That I can live in the reaction or live in the resurrection when things don't go my way. So here's the big question we gotta answer. How do I live in the resurrection? Because I want it. How do I live in the resurrection? The main scripture is Luke 24, one through 31. We're gonna jump to John 20 at the end of the message then. If you wanna follow along your own Bible, that's great. If you wanna use the screens, it'll all be there as well. And if you don't own a Bible today, please, please don't leave without one. We give them away for free. We wanna get a Bible in your hands. Just ask for one out in the lobby from guest services or the next step wall, and we'll get you one free of charge. Luke 24, jumping right into verse one, says this. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They were gonna anoint the Lord's body. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men, we know they are angels, suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And that's the message of Easter. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and, or you might see yet or but or even so, he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened, jumping to verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Basically, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. We still don't listen to the women. Just saying. That's just straight preaching right there. I thought some ladies would say amen, but... However... Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping in, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings, and he went home wondering what happened. One week earlier, Jesus told them exactly what would happen. But the, woman, the women were puzzled. The men wondered. When things didn't go their way, they lived in the reaction, not the resurrection. So how can I do differently and live in the resurrection. Remembering the resurrection is not just an event that happened. It's a person who can live in your heart. The first thing we see is this. I need to wait expectantly. Got to wait expectantly. Now, I want to be very, very careful here. Because I know, represented in this room today, 
are many people who have gone through or are going through the worst possible pain in life. That pain is real. The, the hurt we often walk through can be overwhelming. So please, please know that in no way am I trying to diminish what you have gone through or are going through, and in no way am I trying to discount what you feel, because that's real, right? In fact, I told our creative team several weeks ago as we were planning the service that I hesitate to even use the next verse I'm going to use because this verse can seem insensitive and can be unhelpful in the moment. But I believe that this verse is a key, not the key, but a key for us in learning how to live in the resurrection. And I would just encourage all of us, please, don't just throw this verse out there to someone who's in pain, okay? Don't just throw it out there, because it's not usually helpful. So Romans 8, verse 28, Apostle Paul says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That phrase, work together, by the way, means to synergize. That God synergizes everything for the good of those who love him. So again, please listen. Please, please, please hear me. This does not say that God causes everything to happen. And it doesn't say that God takes whatever happens and makes that thing good. No, it says God works together. He synergizes everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So this doesn't mean that we can't hurt or mourn or grieve or have sorrow. It means in our hurt and in our pain and in our sorrow, there's a bigger picture to it all. There's a bigger story yet to unfold that when life doesn't go my way, when, when I'm, when I, what I'm experiencing in the moment is not the end. That what I experience in the moment is not the goal that God has for me. That God does not cause bad things to happen. But make no mistake about it, God can cause bad things to work together for our good. That's what makes him a great God. That yes, he has the ability to stop bad things from happening, and I don't know why he doesn't always do that. All I know is he's the only God that can take what was bad and work it together for my good. Because of that, I can wait expectantly on God. When life doesn't go my way, I can either live in the reaction or live in the resurrection. And the, the resurrection is not just an event that happened. It's a person who can live in my heart. So how do I live in the resurrection? I wait expectantly for whatever and however God works it together for my good. And listen, this is not easy to do. And more importantly... This is not a feeling that we have. It's a faith we hold on to. That because the tomb is empty, I believe there's another resurrection coming that will work everything for my good. So I wait expectantly. 
The story continues in Luke 24 with two followers of Jesus who were walking on a road talking about the events of the weekend. Jesus happens to appear, starts walking with them. They did not recognize Jesus, so Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? And they said, we're talking about a man named Jesus. Uh, We thought he was the Messiah. We, We thought he was, but he was a mighty prophet, a powerful teacher doing amazing miracles, but he was betrayed, arrested, crucified, and put into a tomb. Then they said this, Luke 24, 21 through 24. They spoke this to Jesus. We had hoped. The women were puzzled. The men wondered. These two followers of Jesus had lost their hope. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said, but even they did not believe. That phrase, we had hoped, stood out to me, that they had hope, but now it was gone. They were living in the reaction when life didn't go their way instead of living in the resurrection. They were walking without hope when they could have been walking with confident hope. So how do I live in the resurrection? The second thing is just that. It's this walk confidently. Wait expectantly and walk confidently. Again, In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says this, I pray that God, the source of, what's the word? Hope. Does our world need hope today? Anyone here need some hope today? I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? That word hope in the original Greek language it was written means confidence or trust. Confidence in what? Well, that not only can God, but God will work together everything for my good that I may not see the resurrection in this moment, but I know there's a resurrection to come. And so I'm confident in Jesus, who is himself the resurrection. As we sang earlier, Jesus Christ, my living hope is him. In Psalm 27, King David took 12 verses to talk about all the bad things happening in his life. Bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. Enemies were coming against him. Attackers were surrounding him. Those he loved abandoned them. Troubles, trials, sorrows, pain. Bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. In the midst of all those bad things, after listing out everything bad happening in his life, King David says this, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. He says, yet... Or even so, I am what? Confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Dare we say wait expectantly? 
Be brave and courageous. Dare we say walk confidently? Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. When life doesn't go my way, I can live in the reaction or the resurrection. The resurrection is not just an event that happened. It's a person who lives in my heart. So how do I live in the resurrection? Wait expectantly. Walk confidently. The last one is the most difficult one to live. Worship continually. It's hard. But we should worship continually. Jumping now to John chapter 20. On resurrection day, verses 19 and 20 records this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They had an expectation, but it was for the worst. They had a hope, but that hope was lost. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And church, I wonder, I wonder, if because of the resurrection, I could be filled with joy before I see the Lord. I wonder if because of the resurrection, I could be filled with joy before God works together everything for my good. I wonder, church, could I be filled with joy before God comes through on my behalf? In Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul again says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That spiritually speaking, that word rejoice means to lean into God's grace, to delight in the Lord, that we are to always rejoice. We are to worship continually. And notice, it doesn't say always be full of joy in your circumstances. It says always be full of joy in the Lord. And where was Paul writing this verse about joy from? From a prison cell where he was chained to a wall for his faith in Jesus. You see, for Paul, whether those chains ever came off, whether he was ever set free from prison, he was already free in his heart because he was living in the resurrection. He was waiting expectantly. He was walking confidently and he was worshiping continually. And that's just it. When life doesn't go my way, and I choose to worship him, when life doesn't go by my way, and I rejoice in the Lord, it's not that all my problems go away, it's that in my problems, I can praise him in such a way that I am no longer a prisoner to my problems, I have been set free. One of the greatest and most well-known hymns of all time was written during a time of tragedy. When things weren't going his way, Horatio Spafford wrote the lyrics to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. 
1873, after losing their son to pneumonia and losing everything, everything they'd worked for, their entire business in the great Chicago fire, Horatio and his wife, Anna, had rebuilt their lives and seeking to find some solace from all the tragedies that befell them, they planned a family getaway to Europe. Horatio put his wife and their four daughters on a boat to Europe with plans to meet them a few days later after he finished up some business in Chicago. But a few days into their trip, Horatio received the horrific news that the boat his wife and four daughters were on had sunk. Not knowing if any of them survived, he received a dreadful telegram from his wife that simply read, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio boarded a boat to Europe to meet his wife. He asked the captain of that boat, please let me know on this trip when we are over the very spot where my daughters drown. Four days into his trip, the captain found him. Horatio went down to the deck of the boat and looking out over the sea where God allowed his daughters to die, Horatio Spafford penned these famous words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. into his shoes. I have four kids myself. Could I stand over the very spot where God allowed my children to die and claim it is well with my soul? The word soul is the key word there. That though my circumstances might be in chaos, though my emotions might be out of control, my soul can still have peace. That's what the second verse he wrote is all about. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. In the midst of the most horrific loss, Horatia was able to honor God in praise. Only someone's soul who's been set free can do that. Only someone's soul whose sins are forgiven can have the power to walk through that kind of pain and still praise God. Oh, his praise did not stop the pain, but his praise gave him the power to endure it. And that's what the third verse is all about. He said, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, 
Let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford was not living in the reaction. He was somehow living in the resurrection. That he knew his sins had been forgiven. He knew by the power of the resurrected Jesus, he had the power to praise God in the midst of his pain. He knew, he knew he would never again see his four daughters on this side of eternity. But there was another resurrection coming that Jesus would appear in the sky and he would once again be reunited with his daughters. That's what the fourth and final verse is all about. And Lord, haste the day when my faith will be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trumpet shall resound, the Lord shall descend, even so, it is well with my soul. And all our worries, our fears, our pain, our tears, they melt away. They'll pass away. And you, and you. The tumor soul watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our God has robbed the grave listen that is the message of Easter you can stay standing because we're going to celebrate in a moment they, they placed Jesus in a tomb but the tomb could not hold him they put soldiers at the ready, but the soldiers could not restrain him. They sealed him with a stone, but the stone could not hold him in. Listen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you will go through in the future. All I know is this, that because the tomb is empty, I don't have to live in the reaction. I can live in the resurrection, that by his spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Let's stand and rejoice in our risen Lord today. The tumor soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Our God is wrong.
doesn't go my way, I can choose to live in the reaction or live in the resurrection. And the resurrection is not just an event that happened. It's a person who can live in your heart. So does the resurrection live in your heart today? Does Jesus live in your heart? Believing in Jesus doesn't stop bad things from happening. But when I believe in Jesus, his resurrection gives me the power to live in my own resurrection. To wait expectantly, to walk confidently, to worship continually. But it all starts with faith in him. So if you're here today, you've never put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer to do that. These words don't save you. Jesus saves you. It's the attitude of your heart. By faith in him, you are surrendering your life to him. That whatever he says goes. If you wanna put your faith in Jesus today, he'll give you new life by forgiving your sins. He'll give you a powerful life to follow him. He'll give you eternal life to be with him one day. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Just if that's you, say this prayer in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the resurrection and the life. So Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? By the power of your blood that was shed for me, by the power of the empty tomb, would you forgive me for all I've done? Wash me clean, make me new. I I repent of the way I have lived. I'm turning from my sinful life. I'm gonna do my best by your power to follow you now in a whole new resurrected life. I receive from you salvation, come into my heart. Thank you for loving me in all my mess. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer just now, there's many of us in the room, me included, who had moments like that in our own life. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you'll ever live out. And we wanna know about it so we can help you, so we can walk with you and celebrate. I'm gonna ask you to do something very bold. If you did pray that prayer to put your faith in Jesus, forgiveness of your sins, I'm gonna ask you to do something very bold. Would you just slip up your hand and leave it up and say, yep, that's me, I just asked Jesus into my heart. Praise God. Anybody else right there? Praise God all the way in the back, praise God. Praise God, welcome to the family. Welcome, welcome to the family. Amen, over here. Anybody, I wanna make sure I see all across the room. I saw you back there in the back, all the way in the back. Praise God, amen, amen. Listen. That is why Jesus came, to put the resurrection in you. It's not just an event, it's a person. And now he lives in your heart. 
We wanna help you, so we wrote a devotional code for you called 21. They're absolutely free. It gets you taking your next steps with Jesus. Just ask for one out in the lobby at guest services or next steps wall. We'll get you a 21-day devotional and a Bible if you don't have one. If you'd also just mark on your connection card that you put your faith in Christ, we'd love to know about that so we can give you some tools to help you walk it out. If you're new here, thanks so much for coming. Uh, please stop by the living room on your way out. You need prayer for something, anything. Our prayer team will be at the very back of the room at the purple tent. They will stay as long as needed to pray for whatever's going on in your life. Next week, we're gonna talk about loneliness, depression, and suicidality. It's a heavy series, but I think it's gonna be a helpful one. I hope this message was helpful for you today. Let me pray for you, and then you'll be released. Lord, thanks so much just for being amazing. That the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and that can live in us. Lord, help us wait expectantly. Help us walk confidently and help us worship continually, always rejoicing in the Lord. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. I love you so much. Happy Easter.